Hi, welcome to season four of the Aced It podcast, where we translate science into sense. So you can learn about research in the justice and health fields without having to access or read a lengthy journal article or report. I'm Danielle Rudes, your host, coming to you from Sam Houston State University in Texas, and I'll do most of the work for you. All you have to do is listen. Aced It is a cool and super helpful product brought to you by the Center for Advancing Correctional Excellence, ACE, at George Mason University in Virginia. For more information, check out our website, jcoinctc.org. Now, let's get started. It's no longer news that one of the major barriers to treatment of substance use disorder is stigma. The fear of being ostracized, the shame of being labeled an addict, and the spiraling low self-esteem that accompanies addiction are all internalized within a person living with substance use disorder. This multi-headed monster is called self-stigma. Like any problem we are faced with in life, it can better be addressed only when it is well understood. To create an assessment tool that can effectively detect and measure the presence of self-stigma in persons living with substance use disorder forces us to carefully and specifically define what self-stigma is. In 2013, Dr. Jason Luoma and colleagues did just that when they developed the Substance Abuse Self-Stigma Scale, or SASSS, and tested it to see how well it measured self-stigma. The SASSS is a 40-item questionnaire for assessing self-stigma in substance use disorder patients. The research team found that there were really four aspects of self-stigma that needed to be measured. The first was feelings of worthlessness. The second was fear of being judged, rejected, and unwelcomed as a normal and reputed person in society. The third was stigma avoidance, or people's attempts to avoid, control, or eliminate feelings of stigma. And the fourth was disengagement from values. Taken together, these four aspects could help determine the degree to which a person is experiencing self-stigma. Each question on the assessment is rated on a five-scale Likert scale, with a higher score representing higher level of self-stigma. Just to refresh our memory, a Likert type is a rating scale used to capture responses to questions in a survey or a questionnaire. Although scholars have begun the daunting task of developing an instrument to measure self-stigma, often these instruments need to be adapted for different populations. They need to consider the peculiarity of a particular culture, as well as a population's limited knowledge and use of the English language. Dr. Coralie Perez-Pedrogo and colleagues wanted to know how effective the SASSS was in capturing self-stigma among Latinos, with substance use disorder. The investigators set out to understand how persons living with substance use disorder in this population mentally process feelings of guilt, rejection, devaluation, and negative stereotypes, and how all of these might impact failure to seek and retain treatment for their condition. More specifically, They wanted to adapt the SASSS for a Spanish-speaking Puerto Rican population and test the scale's reliability in measuring self-stigma among this group. To investigate, the authors put the instrument through a cultural adaptation process and then recruited 412 people with substance use disorder, or SUD, in Puerto Rico to test it out. About three-fourths of participants came from a correctional facility, and about one-quarter came from a community-based treatment program. A subset of the participants also had HIV. 
This is important because they use this subset of folks in one of their tests. Okay, so what did they do to the SASS to culturally adapt it? First, they hired an independent professional translator to translate the instrument into Spanish. Then, they convened an expert bilingual committee comprised of experienced researchers with social sciences backgrounds and clinical expertise to review the translation. Next, they explored how the target audience interpreted the questions on this translated version by convening a focus group of people with similar characteristics to the population of interest. Then, they used the focus group findings to facilitate a discussion among the expert bilingual committee to accept changes to the translated instrument. Finally, they had the instrument translated again by a professional translator, which they then sent for final review to the bilingual committee. Once the instrument was adapted, it was ready to be tested. When you want to know if an instrument can properly measure the thing you want to measure, there are several tests that you would run. You would compare the results to a similar construct to make sure there is a positive correlation. In other words, you'd want to know that the people answering the questions on your assessment and another assessment do so similarly. You also want to make sure that people answer your assessment questions differently than they do questions related to concepts considered opposite to what you're trying to measure. These two tests are called convergent and divergent validity, but... Before you do that, you do what's called a confirmatory factor analysis. The original SASSS developers found four factors related to self-stigma, and the assessment asks several questions related to each factor. But would those same four constructs, feelings of worthlessness, fears of being judged, active attempts to avoid stigma, and disengagement with values emerge in this Puerto Rican Spanish-speaking population? Well, who knows? You have to investigate it. The scientists looked at the replies from this Spanish-speaking population in Puerto Rico using the newly adapted version, using several statistical tests that basically see which of the questions, quote-unquote, hang together, and which sort of don't do much to improve any of the measurements, the team found the same four constructs and were able to eliminate several questions. To measure convergent validity, Dr. Perez Padrago correlated the SASSS scores with questions about HIV stigma, internalized shame, stigma-related interpersonal rejection due to substance abuse, symptoms of depression, and substance use within the last 30 days. To measure divergent validity, the team correlated SASSS scores with self-esteem, self-efficacy, and psychological flexibility, which measures an individual's ability to cope with, accept, and adjust to difficult situations. Just as the researchers thought, participant scores on the SASSS correlated positively to HIV-related stigma, internalized shame, interpersonal rejection arising from the stigma of substance abuse, depression symptoms, and the use of substance within the last 30 days. SASSS scores decreased with higher scores on psychological flexibility, self-esteem, and self-efficacy. What this means is that as a person's score on the SASSS increased, their ability to remain committed to SUD treatments and stay in recovery fell. And 
The less self-stigma a person felt, the greater their belief in themselves, and the higher their self-esteem. In all, the authors found the SASSS a reliable instrument to measure self-stigma in a Latino population with SUD. The big takeaway is that it can be used to evaluate the success of substance use disorder treatment and interventions, and clinicians can use it to better understand their patients and help inform a treatment plan. Self-stigma is strongly related to depression, psychosocial stress symptoms, and lower levels of empowerment and quality of life. All of this in turn impacts how much a person engages in treatment and how long they stay in treatment. A clinician working with an individual might assess their self-stigma to help determine other interventions they could benefit from. For example, perhaps a person receiving buprenorphine might benefit from acceptance and commitment therapy. For our part, Having understood the adverse effects of self-stigma in the successful treatment of persons living with SUD, we should enhance the success of this treatment by adopting favorable attitudes towards persons with SUD. We must strive to eliminate negative stereotypes of persons with SUD as unresponsible, reckless, and dangerous people in the society. We must come to understand addiction as a chronic disease for which individuals need treatment to enhance their quality of life. Like all social problems, it is both an individual and community issue, and we all have our very important roles to play. That wraps another episode of the Aced It podcast. We thank you for listening to Aced It, where we translate science into sense. Also, remember you can find one-page summary overviews written in plain language and short knowledge bursts, which are 30-second overviews for all the research we cover on this podcast on our website, www.gmuace.org. Our conveniently packaged research summaries may help you remember what you heard here, and they will help you translate this research to your staff, friends, students, or colleagues. ACED is part of the NIDA-funded Justice Community Opioid Innovation Network, or JCOIN, through the Coordination and Translation Center, CTC, housed at the Center for Advancing Correctional Excellence, ACE, at George Mason University. Tune in again for more science and more sense with ACED.